Hello, and welcome to the, uh, the Stasis Pod Halloween Spooktacular. <laughs> Have we done this before a Halloween-only episode? Uh, I mean, I know we've done it on the Patreon. I'm not sure if we've had a fill-in like this. Uh, no, I guess we haven't. Or, or like, we aimed the main episode at Halloween. Yeah, this is a, this is a special bonus uh, for our listeners. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it's going to... I, I, this might just be a regular episode, depending upon how editing goes. Yes. But it is intended for Halloween release. Yes. Uh, because, uh, continuing in our series of episodes based on movies Rob watched on TV... <laughs> and David heard about and is like, we need to talk about this. Yes. Uh, we are discussing House, the, uh, the 1980s William Cat classic. No. Alright, no. sorry. We are discussing House, the show where, uh, that British guy is a doctor, but instead of doing his British accent, he's kind of just growling every word like this. No, 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 no. We're discussing House 2, the second story with Cliff Clavin and the caterpillar dog, dog a pillar. Wait, no. Uh, no, we are discussing House, the 1977 totally bonkers Japanese horror movie. I guess you could put it in a horror movie, because that's more what it is than anything else, but it's hard to define the exact genre of this amazing late 70s psychedelic masterpiece, I suppose you would say. Uh, Wikipedia d- describes it as a comedy horror film, which, okay, I guess? I... Ca- I- I would describe it as, like, art house horror, kind of. Although, apparently, it was, like, a big box office hit in Japan. Uh Uh-huh. But all the critics hated it, so it was unheard of in North America for decades. Yeah, it it was effectively a cult classic. Like, it was really popular with kids in the 70s, and who would eventually become young filmmakers themselves who would borrow ideas and like take shit further from this style. So but I'm, yeah, critically panned but well made and like as far as I know this is the only movie available in North America by oh, Obayashi is that was name? Well, I uh, it is yes, uh Nobuhiko Obayashi. No, Nobuhiko Obayashi. Yeah. And uh, right, right up front, I should say, I my experience with Japanese film is very limited. I've, limited uh, to what other than a Godzilla movie? I've seen a few Godzilla movies, including the original, and I've seen uh, I've seen some Kurosawa. Okay, well, you must. Yeah. So if you're uh, going to see a, a Japanese movie, odds are you're going to see Seven Samurai, something else by Kurosawa. Yeah, Seven Samurai, um, Ran, and Oh, Ran's a good one. Uh, What's the one where it's multiple people telling the... Oh, uh, um, Rashomon. Rashomon, yes. Yes. And I, I think the most recent one I've seen is Audition. Oh, uh, no, I don't want to see that one. No, uh, I don't want to see it. It's a good movie, but I don't want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, no, just, just... I forget even the details of it entirely. I just remember my brain going, no, I don't need to watch that. Kiri, 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 Kiri. No. No, yeah, Japanese Japanese horror movies are strange in a good way. Oh, actually, no, I, I did see the original version of The Ring, which I did not like as much as the American remake. Yeah, that's that's sort of apples and oranges. They're both 
good, but not great in my mind. I mean, I like as see- a story, I think the American one version works better, but the mood in the Japanese, I kind of prefer. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I saw the American uh, one first, so that'll obviously have the greater uh, impact on me. Hmm. But uh, you know, we, and you know, there was certainly a big J horror trend around that time, and this is not like that. No, I'm curious. Not- is, is there like a big um, is is psychedelic use? Common in Japan? In the 70s. Okay, because I'm definitely thinking this is a let's get high and check out this movie because I'm not sure if it would be amazing if you were high or if you would just go into a coma and never recover. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I highly recommend having good, strong sake when watching it mm. and some sugary foods. <laughs> That's what I usually do. Like, uh, presumably there's a psychedelic. I haven't watched this and Godzilla vs. Hidora are the two main Japanese 70s movies I've seen that are psychedelic. Yes. And they're not even that. They're just odd. But yeah, I, I, I discovered this movie by accident like almost a decade ago on, I think it was Turner Classic Movies. Mm. Like they were having a Halloween thing and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was just called House and it's like, Wait, but that's not the American version. What? So I watched it late at night and fell in love. <laughs> like, did, I, I'm not sure this is my favorite movie, but it's a strong contender for my favorite movie. <laughs> I, uh, I had heard of it and, uh, you know, what, like one of the groups of like film, uh, Facebook groups I'm in, like about 10 years ago or so forwarded uh, a clip of what I now realize is uh, Melody's death scene in this movie. Yes, yes, the most famous scene in the movie. If you've seen anything about this movie, it's the piano scene. Yes, or possibly the that uh, that gif of the like, cat picture spewing yes. blood. Well, admittedly, I spread that around. Oh. <laughs> the, the cat gif being spread around our group might be my fault. So it... Uh, you know, I... And I've kind of wanted to see it ever since, and it was on TV here, so I checked it out, and uh, I may never be the same. Uh-huh. It, like, after I saw it, it like, I, I think it wasn't until 2009 that when Criterion got it, and it got a release, like, that's his first movie released in America, as far as I know. There may be other odd releases that were forgotten, but it's like, it came out from Criterion on Blu-ray, and it was shown on TV, on a movie channel for Halloween, it's like, Great, yes. Because it it isn't quite a horror movie, but it is. And that's the kind of horror movie I like. So I guess we can go into a little behind-the-scenes stuff here. The crazy thing is, I, I assumed this was like some sort of weird piece of outsider art. But uh, this, uh, well, is, this is a Toho movie. Yes. Like, yes, this maybe is a big the biggest, or at least movie. one of the biggest movie studios in Japan? Uh, I think it is the biggest still. I mean, of course, famous for its Godzilla movies. Yeah. Um, you know, well known even in, uh, in North Ed America. Kurosawa movies too? Yeah. Kurosawa, I think they did Kurosawa. Although, unfortunately, Kurosawa never got to fulfill his dream of making a Godzilla movie. He wanted to, oh, oh. Yeah. That would have been interesting, but eventually we did get Shin Godzilla, which I'm guessing is close. Mm-hmm. And apparently, yeah, apparently it is the largest of Japan's big four film studios. Yeah. Yeah, I think this has come up before. Probably in our Godzilla episode. See, this is a big studio movie, and from a director who had not previously 
directed any feature films. He directed some shorts. Yes, he did. He did shorts. Lots of commercials on television. Uh, if you, it, it, you know, it's only two minutes, so I recommend you going to YouTube and looking up the commercial that he did for Mandem Cologne with Charles Bronson. It's amazing. Like it is the most seventies thing you will ever see, and it will make well, yeah. you want to smell like Charles Bronson. Yes, and uh, he like a decade before this, he made sort of a short film, although it's like forty five minutes long, so it's like half a movie. It's uh, called e- Emotion, which is on the the House Criterion DVD, and it's a very confusing vampire movie. Sort of, I I saw it once after seeing a House after I finally got the Blu Ray. Late at night, very drunk, with some friends down in South Jersey. I don't remember much other than it being weird and a strange vampire. I should probably rewatch that at some point. So he had directed, kind of. Yes, and so and so Toho wanted you know Jaws was a huge hit, huge hit worldwide and in Japan, and uh, Toho wanted to make their own Jaws. Yep. Now in America, you know, uh, you know, a film movie company says, okay, we want to make our own Jaws. And you make a movie like Orca, which is Jaws, but with an Orca. Or Grizzly, or whatever. Right. You know, okay, so it's, you know, they made a giant animal movie, we'll make a giant animal movie. Yeah. In this case, I guess the commonality is that it involves people getting eaten, and it takes place in the summer. Yeah, well, like, uh, um, uh, Obayashi, like... I think he, he like he asked his daughter. His daughter has a lot to do with this movie. It's like, well, if there was like a Japanese version of Jaws, what would it be like? It's like, and she said like, well, Japan doesn't make movies like this. It's like, no, no. If we did, if I did, what would it be? I don't know. Scary house movie. Okay. Because th- this movie is basically a collection of his daughter's nightmares glued together into a movie. I can see that. His, his daughter's nightmares probably didn't have as much nudity in them, though. No, I wouldn't imagine. She was like nine or ten at the time. She's she's in the movie. Yes, for uh, a shot. Oh, what's who is she in the? Uh, is she the younger version of the the main girl? No, when the what you call it, the, the teacher is leaving his house, the little girl with the guy in the shoe shine and and the painter walks by. Uh, it's like a, it's a blink and you miss it cameo. She's okay. there. The director is also in the movie, I think, twice. Right. It said, where was it? It says he has a cameo here. Yeah, he's, he, he's, I, I think the guy taking the photographs in the flashback. I think he's also like when the train's leaving, the guy at the window. Right. I think. I'm not positive on that, but, but like, yeah, there's odd little cameos of the cast. Like, <laughs> Go Diego, who did the soundtrack, well, some of the songs on the soundtrack are in the movie. <laughs> right there at the train Giving station. Giving directions. Yes. So, um, I guess the... Yeah, let's try to explain the movie. Well, right. he, he, this is a movie, it's kind of impossible and also pointless to go point by point of the yeah. movie. So there is a, uh, there's this collection of uh, seven oh, oh. girls. Wait, th- there was a thing I want to say that, that I meant to say at the beginning of the okay. thing. I, I wrote it down, because I sort of took notes by sending you DMs. Okay, this movie, we're going to spoil the crap out of it, kind yes. of. As best as we can, without entirely, because the plot is interesting. But, um, go see this movie. I love this movie. I would recommend it. Nudity warning, though. 
There's the movie, almost, all, almost all at the end. Yeah, pretty much. I, Usually with American movies, they kind of front load the nudity. Yeah, the first scene, I think, is like a bath scene that's like halfway in. Yeah. Yeah, no, the nudity comes late in this movie. Anyway, yes, go, go back to the, the thing. I found my notes. So yeah, we've got uh, we've got seven teenage girls, and I guess yes, another yeah. Well, so we'll talk about it later. So uh, these are almost all non-professional actors. Yeah, I think there, there's like, except for the aunt and somebody else was like a professional actor. Everybody else is an amateur. And uh, I guess um, the Japanese John Belushi looking guy with the sideburns was a professional singer. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Apparently, a professional country singer. Oh, oh. I mean, 70s country music even went to Japan. Yeah, I, I do not think of country music as being a thing in Japan, but I guess it must be. I mean, they have a country. Well, yeah, but but like borrowed, presumably, country music. Like, folk music in Japan is very... Mm. Well, I guess, well, guitar, it might, it, there might be a slight bleed over. Yes. And uh, notably, none of these girls are known by their real names, but by nicknames, which correspond to their... Uh, personalities. Yes, they're, they're one basic personality, which is a really neat gimmick. It's like, mm. they don't need names. They are archetypes because this movie's also kind of like a fairy tale. Well, because it's based upon a child's nightmares, it, it's very fitting. And most of it sort of follows a kind of dream logic. Oh, yeah. So we got our lead, Gorgeous. Yes. And her father is a, uh, a film composer. Mm-hmm. And uh, amuse- apparently he was in Italy, and he said that uh, Leon likes his uh, music even more than Morricone's. <laughs> yeah, music. Movie references. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, I guess he gets back, and he introduces her immediately to her new stepmother, who is extremely eerie, and yet not really involved with the supernatural nature of the plot at all. Yeah, no, she 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 floats around like an air elemental. Uh, she has a wind machine on her at all times. Her scarf is always blowing. She's ethereal. Yeah, because her mother is dead. She's got this aunt who's still living, and so she's going to go uh, stay with those uh, those friends at her aunt's place for the summer. Yeah, well, because it's a weird, convoluted thing. Like, like the friends are going to go to some summer camp or something or a hotel that they're that's one- run by this teacher's sister, but she's yes. pregnant. She's pregnant, so that trip is canceled. But Gorgeous is depressed because his dad is, her dad is getting remarried and she's all mopey because it's been like eight years, apparently. Eight, eight years or something since her mom died. It's been a while, but she's moody. So she's going to, she wrote a letter to her aunt. So she's going to go there and the, her friends who had their trip canceled. It's like, come with me. I'll go see my aunt that I haven't seen in a decade. And, and, that's, and the extremely weird thing is she's introduced to her immediately as uh, your new mother. Yeah, well, well, you got you got ease into that. Yeah, but uh, mother, motherhood is like a D plot in this movie. Yes, there is something of it. Hmm. Or at least the, the uh, concept of motherhood. Yes. Anyway, so the uh, so that's 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 our first girl, gorgeous. We've also got Kung Fu. Yes, who the best is girl. a. Who is like a kind of a tomboy who is always, you know, there was talk about how she's more manly than any of the men in the movie. Yeah. Uh, you got Prof, who is smart and has glasses, and yes. she's blind without him. Uh, yes. Well, the, the, again, they're stereotypes 
with they're one dimensional, but not. Yes, you've got uh, Fantasy, who is Gorgeous's best friend and is like prone to having Fantasy. fantasy she, I guess she's, she's the the daydreaming airhead. Yes, uh, you got Mac, who is the big eater, as in I guess Big Mac. No, um, no. What's what's another oh. word with Mac in it? Stomach. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes. I see. It's, it's that dumb. This movie isn't above the lowest fruit. <laughs> uh, you got Sweet, who's very pleasant. Yeah, she's she's the most forgettable one, kind of. And you got Melody, who knows music. Yes. And th- th- are they supposed to have this teacher as some sort of chaperone? Is there some sort of don't stand so close to me thing going on? Well, I like, wasn't entirely sure what his deal was. I... Well, fantasy, like, has a crush on him. Like, normal high school shit, I guess. He, he's just yeah, he, their goofy dune buggy riding teacher who is going to go as their chaperone's order or something. I don't know. And he, he's got big John Belushi energy. Yeah. Possibly, possibly because at one point he goes to what appears to be a samurai restaurant. <laughs> well, that, that, that's a little, oh. Little ramen shop on a cart. There's probably a name for it. I don't know. But yeah, oh, that's also one of my favorite scene transitions. <laughs> and uh, it's it's first noticeable in this first scene where they're in where Gorge is in her apartment with her father and new stepmother. Mm-hmm. And see the background here, yes. which appears to have been the same one used for my grade two class pictures. Uh, do you mean the map painting outside the window or her really weird wallpaper? Uh, yes, I, I, I meant the the uh, the whole field. Uh, the clouds. The cloud. Yes, the the the, the, the matte painting clouds are dynamic. Like the others. Oh, uh, this movie. Interest, this movie is not at all interested in realism. No, which is an interesting contrast to the rest of the hor- like American horror movies of the seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it's slasher movies were becoming a thing. I mean, you've got... Is interested in that. I mean, the horror movies in the 70s are really interested in that sort of, you know, like, down-to-earth realism. You know, you got, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. you got Halloween. Uh, Carrie's. You know, sort of very lived-in, ordinary worlds with this... Uh, abnormal presence in them. Yeah, because they were, like, taking off the Giallo movies, which were kind of wacky, but, like, sort of down-to-earth. They just sort of flattened it out. So there was Although a little I, less I, crazy I, and a little I, less I don't know gore. if Giallo had any sort of presence in Japan at the time. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, that's how it affected American movies. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that, that this movie, if they were at all exposed to Giallo, uh, they kind of took it in the other direction, where they embraced the... Uh, the more surreal aspects yeah. of uh, Giallo. Have you seen uh, Suspiria? Oh, fuck yeah. I love that movie. When, when did that come out? Was that in the 70s? That is that is the same year, 77. Oh, oh wow. So that didn't influence this. But, but yeah, uh, this and Suspiria, I mean, like, feel like they were, they came from the same, uh, like, orphanage. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if I was more tasteless, I'd try and pair them with a uh, German horror movie of the same vintage. Uh, no. German horror movies are weird. Anyway, yeah, like it's this is colorful and odd and dreamlike in the similar way to Suspiria. It certainly uses color and enormous amounts of fake blood in the same way that Jello movie does. Oh yeah, 
And at, at, at times the soundtrack is as intrusive as if it were being played by Goblin. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's more 70s airy music, and then every once it's weird. And some of the sound effects are like fog horns for scene transitions and normal car horns. It, it's everything combines to this dreamlike effect of what is going on? I mean, this is maybe the most eclectic soundtrack I've ever heard uh, heard in a horror movie. Um, yeah. Because you've got a couple things that just sound like they came off 70s AM radio. Yeah, but most of the Go like, Diego stuff. Like it's Air Supply or something. Hmm. And then you've sort of got this sort of haunting uh, piano theme that does seem like something out of an American horror movie of the 70s. Yeah. Uh, including one that kind of has a similar plot to this. Uh, it's from, I believe, the year before. Hmm? It's uh, not really well known. Yeah, it's from 76, Burnt Offerings. Oh. Uh, that's uh, from 1976. Uh, uh, Karen Black, Oliver Reed, and uh, Betty Davis, who I think is somebody's aunt, move into this old house. Oh. And the house sort of slowly kills most of them. And then it sort of takes over Karen Black. Sort of along the same lines as this movie. Huh, weird. Good. Well, because this movie was in the planning stages for at least two years. Yes, <laughs> so and it was based on a novel that pre- that was pr- uh, older than this, but I don't... Oh, it, it's probably just a coincidence. Great, probably, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a disappointing movie, but uh, oh. it, it has its moments. Oh, okay. Whereas this is not disappointing, I don't think. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is just for you. I mean, that's it done in a, like a very straight Amity. I guess also it's kind of along the same lines as uh, the Amityville horror. Oh yeah, a little uh, conception in which somebody is taken over by a presence inside a house. Hmm. Although obviously that's more of like a kitchen sink kind of movie. Yeah, as opposed to this, which is a everything but the kitchen sink kind of movie. Yeah. Like, the first half hour of this movie is slow, but once you get to the house... House. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting, because apart from, like, a, a somewhat phantasmagorical animated credit sequence, there's very little horror going on for the first half hour. Usually, American horror movies now and then would like give you, like, a horrific scene at the beginning. Like, you know, this is what happened to the last people who were in this house. Yeah, but, but that... Kind of the point is, is this is no one has been to the house in oh. a long time. Yes. So you know they 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 take a a train ride, which is done via a train going through a very blatant map painting. Oh yeah, the map. Some of the map paintings in this are really subtle, and some of them are no, that's blatant. Like above the train station is a map painting. Right. That's not that obvious. I mean, it, yeah, no, that one's pretty good. The chroma key effects in this are off the chain. Yeah, like, some of the... Like, the thing that's really aged badly are some of the blue screen effects. They're a little too obvious at times. And there's there's just a little too much of a border around stuff. Yeah. Well, because some of the blue screen effects are done by pouring paint on someone. Yes. So it's understandable some of them look a little sketchy. Well, and, and again, that's another thing where American horror movies of this vintage were really going for as much realism in their gore as possible. You know, you hired Tom Savini, who'd been yeah. to Vietnam, and he'd say, oh, you know what, you, you want to know what an exploding head looks like? I'll give you an exploding head. Oof. Yeah, whereas this, this has so much surreality that when you do get gore, it it's kind of shocking, too. 
Yes. I mean, it's shocking and it's, and there's sort of a cheapness to it. I mean, you know, that makes it creepier. Yeah. Commercial effects. This yes. movie is wall to wall, like digital in, or no, not digital, in camera oh, effects. No. Not digital, but, but like compositing and, and in camera effects and layering and, and cuts. Oh, so good. Weird. Mm. And uh, I guess at this point we should also mention uh, the cat because there's a there's a real eerie cat in this. Uh-huh. It, it, uh huh. This is Blanche. But well, Shiro, which means white, and Blanche means white. Thank you, subtitles. But yeah, uh-huh. the, the cat is actually kind of really adorable and fluffy and white and like a seal point or something. Yeah, the cat. I mean, the the actual cat doesn't really do anything terribly menacing. No, but but the recurring theme of the cat, like, walking out of frame one direction, coming back in the other direction, just appearing in places it shouldn't be, leaving the house, and showing up at Gorgeous's house with a letter... I guess we should note here that the this is uh house is the Japanese title. Yes. Even though that is not the Japanese word for house. No, what is it? I I don't remember the Japanese word for it. No, the director is like, no, I'm I'm using an English word because it's weird and it will stand out. Like this movie. Anyway, so and as noted in early in the movie, uh any any cat can open a door, but only a witch cat can uh can close a door. Yeah, that that's like the only foreshadowing really in the movie. Yes. Like the rest of the movie is operating so much on dream logic that it can go from comedy to horror to kung fu flick in the blink yes. of an eye. And you know, they're sort of going over the the backstory of this aunt who had you know had a had a lover who went off uh, to fight for the Japanese in World War Two. Oh yeah, the, and did not the, return. The flashback when they're on the train talking about it, like they're talking over the flashback as if they're watching the flashback in the movie. They're they're kind of mystery science theatering it. Yes, and also the flashbacks are kind of done silent movie style, which I appreciated. Yeah, that was cute. Yes, except for some odd crying effects and blood. Well, again, it's the, the blood, they're doing the chroma key thing. It's like watching an episode of uh, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. <laughs> but anyway, he did not return, and she she waited, but of course he promised that he would return. Yeah, and she's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And we also get some atomic bomb footage, because apparently uh, Obayashi was from Hiroshima. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, and lost a lot of his friends. <laughs> So, so th- there's that backdrop to this movie of, of, yeah, even in this weird art house goofy horror movie, the war is off camera, being ominous. Well, I mean, it certainly looms over a lot of Japanese culture, you know, probably still to this day. Yeah. Although, I would imagine less so now as the older generation uh, dies off. Yeah, kind of. But, but it, it, it's. Well, now it's like third generation effects of it. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, so they, they they take this train trip and they they stop by this uh, this watermelon vendor who I thought was going to be the crazy Ralph, oh, uh, yeah. as yeah, in uh, Friday the Thirteenth, which was it's a, it's bizarre to think of Friday the Thirteenth as coming out three years after this. <laughs> yeah, like the watermelon vendor. It's like normally, oh, when you go into this spooky house, you get the local townsperson who warns you about it. No. He's cheerful. Oh, she's going to be so happy that someone has come to visit her. I mean, there's probably some sort of supernatural influence on him, but... Uh, yeah, I... I, It's hard to, like, get a logical interpretation of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) But my brain tries, like... The house over the years, its influence has grown and has extended far enough to have affected this little local watermelon seller who... Ain't normal. Yeah, well, well, these these are enormous watermelons. Well, because I I think they're fake. (laughs) Well, I mean, I figured. They're probably plastic or beach balls or something. I mean, otherwise, these, uh, you know, these girls would probably be having uh, trouble hauling this thing around uh, for the whole movie. Yeah. So after some time, they do get to this uh, this house and they meet the aunt. Oh, the, the walk to the house is, like, filled with, like, more matte paintings and walking these weird twisted mountain hot roads which which are I think all done on studio stages I'm not other than I, mean, I like the shot at the train station I'm not sure there's an exterior shot that isn't shot on a sound stage no this is a this is a very set bound movie but I think by design there are the shots with the 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 dune buggy I guess and the horse mm-hmm. and the school at the beginning but that's barely there. Yeah, I mean, they probably had some hills that are, you know, they're, they're, they're designated shooting a samurai movie here hills. Yeah, but like the, the long walk to the house reminds me of the walk to the pet cemetery, just a little less creepy. I mean, I guess I, I don't think of there being this much, uh, like isolate, this many isolated areas in Japan because it's a small country, but I'm sure that's a misconception on my part. Mountains! There's a lot of mountains, and some of them are hard to climb up. So there are very isolated areas. Like, if you're near Tokyo, shit's crowded. Yes. But the further you get away from it, like, there are hill people. (laughs) They're just not, like, hillbilly hill people. They're just little quiet old villages. So yeah, they, they, they meet this aunt who has spooky Helen Mirren hair. Yes, and who's wearing glasses and is in a wheelchair. That she doesn't really need. Well, she does need at first. Yes, I mean, I guess she's drawing off energy from these girls. Yes, spoilers. She She is a ghost slash a witch slash question mark. Yes, that, like, the house is three levels. There, there's the the ghost spooky aunt who's been dead for years, but is still mm-hmm. alive. There's the house itself, which I don't know if she infected it or it infected her, but they're sort of one and the same. And the cat, who's the only one who can leave the house. Yes. Like, she, I don't know if that's just a witch's familiar, or if it is part of the triumvirate of house, witch, and cat. Interestingly, also a connection to Argento, who has like a, uh, 
maiden mother crone thing going on with his uh, witches in his movies. Yeah, and, and like the witch trilogy, which Suspiria is one of them, right? Yeah, Suspiria, Inferno, and... And the bad one. Right. One I have not seen. <laughs> yes, the, the, the latest one I heard was not good, so I didn't bother. Mother of Size or something? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway. Um... Anyway, yes, so, the aunt so is yes. very happy to have guests again after so long. I mean, this is a movie that aggressively resists any explanation of what's going on in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Like, the only explanation... Well, the basic explanation is, as she devours each girl in turn, she gets more alive again. Yes. Like, after she eats one, she can get up out of the wheelchair and walk. Yes. And and our, our first one to... Uh, to go is uh, is Mac who uh, yep. you know she wants to preserve this watermelon but uh, the fridge doesn't work so she's just going to put it in a well yeah again which is another thing from like the, the, the director's daughter like they were visiting her grandparents house and they didn't have a refrigerator so you'd have to put a watermelon in a well and other stuff because it was a, a natural refrigerator and, and one time pulling up the melon it's like it looks like a goddamn head and it's in the movie. Yes, because indeed, Fantasy does go to get this uh, watermelon, pulls up Mac's head, which is kind of alive, flies around, and bites her in the ass. <laughs> yes, it's like, starts from horror of pulling this zombie head out of the well. Freaks out, the head floats, and then bites her on the ass, and it turns to comedy. Yes. Hey, you know, they, they get the, uh, you know, it, and it's classic... You know, one person sees the weird stuff that's going on. Nobody else does because they just pull this watermelon up. It's normal. They yeah. eat the watermelon, which I guess may have actually been her head disguised to look like a watermelon because we see the ant Question with mark? a couple of eyeballs in her mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, the eyeball. That's such a simple effect, but really good. Especially fantasy is the only one that notices it. And and, and the, the watermelon makes noise. Yes. So... The obvious implication, okay, the ant is eating her, but was the watermelon also Mac and was everyone else eating her? That's what I was picturing. That's, that's what I was thinking, yes. Again, dream logic. Yes. <laughs> Who knows? But it's creepy. And then at this point, uh, the ant goes into the refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's another shot that I love. And <laughs> Freaks the fuck out of Fantasy, because the ant just goes into the refrigerator. Fantasy drops a plate. Whoever else is in the scene is, like, trying to console her. And then from the side of the screen, the ant is, like, crawling on, on the beams of the house above them and dancing. Yes. <laughs> Horror to comedy. It, it's so good. So bizarre. And it is at that point that we get into full-on weird stuff happening. Yeah, constantly over and over. There, there are some fake scares. Not quite jump scares, but fake scares. There's not a lot of cat scares here. No. Well, not really, no. Probably because the cat is actually scary. Yeah, the, the cat is just ominous because it's around everywhere. Yes. And at the scene of most of the deaths. Well, it is... Uh, it specifically closes a door, indicating that supernatural stuff is about to happen right before Sweet gets it from uh, Death Futon, the futon that eats people. 
<laughs> yes. She gets mobbed by, it's like a side building containing futons and comforters and all kinds of stuff. They just eat her except for her clothes. And also there's a creepy Somehow. doll left over. I didn't quite get the creepy doll. Well, the creepy doll was, the creepy doll was there before. But like it could also be the implication that she was turned into a doll at some point. I don't know. And then and then later we see her in a clock that then fills with blood. Yeah, she's in the gears of the house. Yes. And it's also at this point that uh, Gorgeous becomes possessed by the house. She looks in the mirror. There is like this crazy flame oh. effect. Yeah, like she's looking in the mirror, and then at one point she's like sees her aunt, and the mirror cracks, and then Gorgeous's face cracks, falls away, she's up, turns into a pillar of flame, at which point either the aunt like, wears her skin, or takes over her body to puppeteer it around. Something. But, like, Gorgeous is the third to die. Like, suppose, the, what you would think would be the main character, gone. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm not sure if at any point any of her surfaces. It looks like it's happening at the end, but it's really not. Hmm. It, it, it's odd. So yeah, they, and then the house goes into lockdown. Oh yeah. Cause the, the house is eaten enough. It's growing stronger. Yes. All the shutter do- window door things close on the house. Oh, oh, and the, the pan of, of, there's a model of the house. Of course there's miniatures in this movie. They're using all the tricks in the book. Oh, As that. all the little windows close, shotgun, or no, uh, like machine gun sound. Yes, and also it used to be Love a that. doctor's office, so there's a spooky Halloween skeleton. Which occasionally is just moving on its own in the background for no reason. Yes, and also, well, all this is going on, uh, what's this Actually, guy's name? Mr. Togo is on his way oh, to, to see them. Togo, Toto, Tojo, something like that. Yeah. He's slowly getting closer and closer to the house and getting lost and getting stuck he's in traffic. He's in another movie. Yeah, he he's in like a screwball comedy. Like it's planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm. Although he's still in his dune buggy the whole time. At one point we see him in this, this samurai restaurant in which one of the chefs is a bear for no particular reason. Yeah, well the transition to get into that is like a guy eating noodles leans in on the characters in the house... And then he pulls back, and it's like, he's at this noodle shop. It's one of the craziest scene transitions I've ever seen. I know. I love it. And yes, there's there's a bear who may be a chef, or maybe, like, the bear moving is goes with the scene transition, and it's just a bear in the back of this noodle shop. I always forget that there were actually, uh, that there are actually bears in Japan. Uh, so do I. And, and yes, they're a thing, and they can be big. There was like a like a famous bear attack there, wasn't there? In like the teens, probably. Yeah, like the early ninth, early last century, like in nineteen seventeen or something. Yeah, there were there was no nineteen fifteen. The uh, Sankabetsu brown bear incident, in which a uh, a brown a large brown bear woke up from hibernation and attacked uh, several houses in the area, killing seven people. Yeah, which is why, like, horrific monster bears show up in Japanese media every once in a while. Especially, oh, the, um, shit, there, there's a manga turned anime series about dogs fighting bears on a mountain. I forget what that's called. Well, I should go that one anyway. But yeah, bear, bears are a thing. 
And Barry, yeah. and this is just a punchline, though. Yeah, well, a punchline to a joke that does not exist. It's just there because, I don't know, we had a bear costume. We had this prop. Silver Fang, that's it. Or whatever the Japanese title is. But mm. And, uh, yeah, it is around this point that, uh, you know, Melody decides, you know, she's going to cheer everybody up. She's going to uh, play the piano. And then she's eaten by this piano. Oh, actually, I kind of love her getting eaten by the piano. Because... If you've heard about this movie, odds are you've seen that scene where she gets devoured by a piano and it crescendos to insanity. Oh, yes. But they're the most fake outs of her, like, fantasy getting scared because she hears Melody screaming in the distance and then comes it's like, oh, no, she needs a roll of toilet paper or she cut her finger on the piano or something. Yes. It happens like three times, faking you out before the actual piano kill happens. Mm. Which, like, is is hindsight, like, because we've seen the piano scene, we know it's coming. But when? It's suspense outside of the movie. But yes, she gets devoured by the piano in it. It is so many effects and over the top and a lot of blood. Yes. I mean, not the scene with the most blood in the movie. That's still to come. And it's, it's very, like, unrealistic, like, hammer movie-style blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's very watery. Thick, well, it's either watery or thick paint. I mean, were there, were there fairly strict, uh, like, film codes, in effect, in Japan at the time? Or? I don't know. Uh, what was it? Yojimbo? I think. Uh, which, uh... Apparently that's from 1961. Okay, yes, Kurosawa. Yojimbo! Uh, unless it was the sequel. What? Yes, I'm pretty sure it was Yojimbo. Famous blood scene where they had planned to have a little blood squirt when Yojimbo slices a guy at the end of the movie. There was a technical special effects error, and then all the blood came out massively all at once. But the guy who got cut stayed in character. <laughs> I didn't freak out that it fucked up. And it looks amazing. And everyone in the background is like, what the fuck? Just staring at this fountain of blood. And that ended up in the movie because it was like, wow, that that was wrong. But that looked amazing. So, yeah, blood in Japanese movies, not really a problem. Well, I get, and that sort of became like a trademark of your, your samurai movies. Uh-huh. And... To Western audiences, probably most famously depicted in Kill Bill Volume 1. It became a thing because of an accident on set. And yeah, apparently it was the sequel, uh, Sanjuro. Yeah, that's an amazing... Yeah, blood and tits are not as much of a problem in Japan, or at least were not in the 70s and 80s anyway. So yeah, that is uh yeah, she is eaten by this uh by this piano. It's completely insane. And it's around this time that they find Gorgeous wearing uh her aunt's never used wedding dress, which is never a good sign in a horror movie. Uh, yeah, that that that's it's not good. Someone wearing wedding dress in any movie, it's like and it's not a wedding. <laughs> Shit just got weird. Yeah, so the you know they find her diary and it's it's about how you know her her, her fiance promised to come back and she determined that he will come back but until then 
uh, she's going to take her revenge on any unmarried girls who uh, who visit this yes. home and devour them. Yeah, because uh, while well, going back to the motherhood thing, subtext, sort of, I guess, text of subtext of insanity of this movie, unmarried women who come to this house, like women coming, girls becoming women as they age up, as these young women are, and prime ready for marriage age, that gap in time, as according to this movie, makes your prime cut meat for a hungry house. Everybody's got a hungry house. Everybody's got a spooky cat. Yes. Uh, which, and that is of course uh, the opposite of uh, the rule in slasher movies, in which case it is the virginal who survive. Yeah, that's the thing. Th- this movie plays, well, intentionally or not, plays against that. Yeah, I don't think it had quite, I don't think that had quite been... As canonized in as a trope. ...become a yeah. trope yet. I mean, we're, we weren't really into the slasher era. I mean, you, you'd have, Halloween was the next year. Oh, Halloween was the next year. Oh. Next year, 78. And a couple years before this would, was Black Christmas, which is really the proto-slasher movie. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, pretty much everybody gets killed in that movie, so I can't remember if it's specifically virgins or not. Mm. But anyway, so they, uh, at this point, the kaiju-sized head of Gorgeous busts in <laughs> and, sort of, and vaguely explains things about how her aunt actually died years ago, but wouldn't leave the house. Actually, th- that giant head poking into a house thing, I... Think is a Japanese ghost story thing. Well, I know there's a Japanese ghost story with a giant skeleton. Yeah, the giant skeleton. I think there's also a giant head in a house. Maybe. I mean, I, I believe you. But yeah, well, well, this movie is also like presumably there's more folktale horror of Japan. I'm missing in this movie. Yeah, there's probably a lot of stuff that we, you know, cultural context that we're not getting. Hmm. And at this point. This turns into a Peter Gabriel video, and every potential object, every movable object in the house starts attacking them. Uh huh. <laughs> trying to kill and murder. Yeah, multiple points throughout this movie, like, things are trying to kill Kung Fu and failing repeatedly. Yes. Like logs earlier in the movie that she was cutting. Mm-hmm. But now it, ju- it just goes full nutso, like, trying to kill her with phone cords and mummies that are in a closet. Yes, and then we we also see the uh, the cat, and there's also a painting slash effigy of the cat that is yes, which fairly is, upsetting. It went, which is sort of the iconic image of the film. It's the Blu-ray cover. So it's a spooky. It kind of reminds me of those uh, Louis Wayne cats. Oh, was that the guy who would slowly right, going like, crazy, and the cats got yeah. weirder and weirder and weirder? But yes. he really loved cats. Yes. Yeah, it, it's like. The middle stages of that is this cat painting. Yes. Or at least it starts I, as an early stage and then becomes the crazy... Wait, maybe that was before that. Maybe that's why. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, the, the painting is sort of like the heart of the house, question yes. mark. So the girls are like, destroy the painting, maybe they'll let us that out. And so, you know, obviously Kung Fu is doing her best to destroy this thing. Eventually, she is mostly eaten by a light fixture... Yeah, but like her legs are 
She sucked up the light fixture and then sees the disembodied body parts of everyone else that's been eating floating in this, like, pop art ad soup of insanity and blood. So you you wonder if they're sort of alive within the house, a sort of this gestalt entity? Well, a line at the end kind of implies that, that, that they're hungry too. Yes, they'll 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 wake up when they're hungry. Yeah, but again, dream logic. So who knows? But yeah, the bottom half of kung fu manages to get out of that. Just the bottom half, and kung fu kick this painting on a wall, but before her limbs get sucked up into a dressing cabinet. Yes, and at which point this kills the cat. The house starts flooding with blood. Uh yeah. So much that it, it floats the tatami mats that they're sitting on. The two remaining girls alive are floating. We're still trying to read this uh, diary, but of course, uh, Prof gets her glasses knocked off. She is bitten by what is apparently a jar with teeth. Um, I, th- I think it's like a milk can thing or smallish thing. Like, I think they were using it earlier to pour tea or something, hot water. But yeah, but now it has teeth. Yes. Bites her hand, pulls her in the water. And it is at this point that we, uh, per, that Professor Togo finally reaches the end of his journey in which he meets this watermelon merchant who turns into a skeleton and apparently Mr. Togo is reduced to a pile of bananas. Yeah, b- because the watermelon guy loves watermelons and Togo is like, I don't like watermelons. What do you like? Bananas. Bananas! Turns into skeleton. Togo freaks out, jumps in his dune buggy, and just keeps saying banana, banana, banana. In like, the film plays backwards and forwards, and it's like, that's the end of him, somehow? Yep, that, uh, that, that shaggy dog story is at its end. Yeah. So, yeah, they, she is pulled off into this flood of blood and just dissolves. It, it, it's all, it looks like blood, but it's also the digestive fluids of this living house. Yes. The, the house is vampiric. Well, the ant is kind of vampiric because she's sucking. She's an energy vampire, but also an actual vampire, but also maybe a cannibal, but also part of the house. Something? Yes. But yeah, now we're down to... Uh, Fantasy. It's, it's fantasy and allegedly gorgeous. You know, she's trying to, you know, it seems like she is comforting her, but she's actually just been wholly subsumed by the ant and or the house and possibly the cat. Who knows? And it's certainly implied that she's dead. Yes. she She's not gorgeous anymore. No. Although, like, uh, her kimono gets pulled down and we see her tit. So... She's good looking. Oh, yes. But, but then she also turns into the ant. But fantasy's just yeah. like her little mind is snapped at this point. It's like, oh, yeah. I will nuzzle up against this undead ghost of my friend because everyone <laughs> else is dead. Yes. And so, uh, so we have our uh, cap where that, that stepmother finally drops in. Yes, because she was going to pay a surprise visit to try to get to know Gorgeous better before she's married. 
Yes. To the dead. And of course, this scene take this this scene takes longer than you'd think. It, it's also playing a, a haunting, lovely, beautiful theme song about how life is returning and love is important. As, and you're sitting. That house was run down before. There's weeds and shit. Yes. And it was gray. Now it's beautiful, like a fresh coat of white paint. The flowers are blooming. The yard is like perfectly manicured. As as this um, future stepmom arrives and gorgeous, opens all the doors in the house and everything is beautiful. And peaceful. I, I will note that this is exactly also what happens in burnt offerings. Oh. Well, I, where the the house is regenerating itself with the life energy of these people. Ooh, well, it, it's such a good concept of vampiric. Like, how do you do a haunted house? A haunted house is always creepy. No, but when the house mm. wins, the house always wins. <laughs> it's beautiful again. Mm-hmm. It's filled with life, and and this aunt, this unmarried aunt or un, yes. unmarried woman, comes to the house. As another snack for the yeah, hungry. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very eerie. She talks about how her friends will wake up when they're hungry, and then she just shakes her hand and isn't sensitive. <laughs> she just bursts into flames. End of movie. Well, except we get a, some a little speech about love being eternal or something. Oh, yeah, the, the aunt is speaking it over gorgeous as, like... Which is really weird. Like, love is powering this vampiric house monster to stay alive and take the body of her niece as a new host. Yes. And yes, then it's, uh, you know, our credit for everybody smiling and happy. It's like the end of Predator. Well, it, it's gorgeous smiling and happy, which... Is that what well, we just filmed the actress running around a tree and something and we needed something for the credits? Or is yes. it just that now that she's fully fed, the ant in Gorgeous's body can leave the house for a while? Maybe? Well, because Again, it, all, it, it, before, the only thing they could leave was just the cat as a familiar, an appendage leaving to lure yeah. Gorgeous there. It is important to not try too hard to figure this movie out. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing. Like, for a few years in a row, like five years or so, this would be my Halloween movie. I would put it in mm-hmm. the night before or Halloween night at midnight, watch it while drinking, or Ooh. even later until the sun rises or something, just thinking weird thoughts about this and trying to make sense of this amazing, beautiful, crazy movie. Well, all I can say is I'm glad I watched it in a house with a dog. (laughs) Oh. I had a cat. Exactly. Spooky. Well, you you just got to be careful if they ever close a door. (sighs) So, yeah, that is uh, is House. It, It... I, I think it's much better known in North America than it was at one point. It's Oh, yeah. It inspired other directors in Japan. So you can see a little bit of this experimentalness in filmmaking after that mm. in Japan, in movies. And, like, it, it's kind of shocking that this director isn't well more well-known, partially because, like, nothing else he's made is available over here, really. No, I do remember people talking about his last movie, which I think he made while he uh, had cancer. Yeah, um... Uh, Labyrinth of Cinema. Yes. 
Like, oh yeah, that came out two years ago, and he died two years ago. He just finished yes. it before it came out. Mm. Which is a shame, but like, like even like a few years before that, like uh, Hanagatami, like is a movie he wrote before House. It just wasn't oh. made until he like four years ago. And are are his other movies similar to this? Some of the well. <sighs> None as crazy. Well, maybe Drifting Classrooms, which is an adaptation of a famous manga about mm. uh, a class, a school full of children that gets transported into a future wasteland, and horrific shit happens. Ah. It's like he made a movie of that. I think it's been adapted a couple of times after that. And like, oh, he did like the first adaptation of The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which is I think a famous novel. Because, like, it's been made into an anime, and there was another movie version of that. Like, he's done other things, but I'm not sure anything mm-hmm. else as impressive and out there and influential as House. But, it, like, it, it's shocking I can't buy others of his movies. Yeah, I mean, sometimes your first movie is your best movie. Kinda. First real big movie, but, yeah. Right. Uh, first movie that is not attempting to sell cologne and or Charles Bronson. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I highly recommend. It's an odd horror movie. Oh. But it's a great end for a movie night because it will wake people. Like, the first half hour is a little slow. But once they get to the house and weird shit happens, that's going to wake people up. It is nonstop madness. Uh-huh. It, it's It's gorgeous. Like, I mean, it's it's hard for me to think of a movie I love for as just itself, just a movie than this. Like other things, like mm. I love Godzilla movies, and there's some anime, but that's more stuff coming into it. This is its singular entity of amazingness. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's hard to solve this movie. You, you certainly can't talk a lot about it in a non-visual medium because it's incredi- It's an incredibly visual film. Yes. Oh, God, yes. It's, like, it's inspiringly weird that, that it was just through a kitchen sink and everything into the making of this movie. Like, every trick mm-hmm. he could think of. Every weird dream his daughter had is in this I mean, movie. I, I, I mean, I think he said, you know, I'm not... He, he wasn't entirely sure how the special effects would turn out when he was making yeah, them. Because, like, a re- like... Oh, like, Toho, like, for some reason had him write a script. I guess he was a scriptwriter or something early on. And it was like, okay, here's a script. I, re- I re- co-wrote it with this guy. A lot of ideas from my daughter. Here's Toho. Toho said, okay, yeah, we'll make it. When? Who's going to direct it? Not yet. We don't have the money. Every other director's busy. So he was promoting, okay, we're going to make this movie, but we don't have a director. <laughs> And like, like, there was like manga versions, there was a radio play, there was ads in papers. He, his business card had like a poster for the movie that hadn't come out on it. <laughs> to the point where Toho was like, okay, you can make the movie. And he did. And apparently they, they told him that to- the Toho was tired of losing money on comprehensible films. So they, they were ready to let him direct the house script, which they felt was incomprehensible. Yeah, cause like other directors who even looked at us like, I don't know how to make this movie. But he did. Yes. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. No, so I, I definitely recommend that uh, people check it out. 
I think you can rent it on iTunes. There's a there's a very nice Criterion disc. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, it is a uh, problem, presumably, on the Criterion channel thing. Yeah, and if you're in Canada, it's available on uh, Hollywood Suite all demand on demand all month, hmm. which is where I'm seeing a lot of these movies that we're talking about on the podcast. <laughs> yes. I believe I may follow this up with a double bill of the William Cat House. Oh, which I suspect will be a very different film. Yeah, like it's in a way, it's also a haunted house movie, and weird shit happens. But it's more a single person. I mean, I guess it's also like a kind of a comedy horror sort of. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like the comedy is an afterthought in the movie. Or maybe it's the, like the sequel is more of a comedy. The sequel is definitely a comedy, but it's played I straight. The, I will note that the the sequel has the best sequel subtitle in movie history because it is House 2, The Second Story. Yeah, that beats out Electric Boogaloo because it's a pun. Yes. All right, so I believe uh, that is it for uh, for our discussion of House. Uh, of course, you can find us all over the internet. Uh, we have a Patreon, which we'll be doing a, a spooktacular episode chosen by yours truly. Yeah, that that which, will uh, have been coming. Uh, that that will be out by now. It'll be out by then. It it will thrill and chill my co-hosts. Oh. It, it. It will be weird and have odd animation in it, that's for sure. Uh, it is also from the, uh, the the terrifying decade of the 1970s. Hmm. But not the amazingly weird year of 1977, where every bad sci-fi movie seems to have come out, or bad weird monster movie. Well, the thing is, 1977 was the genesis of... I mean, that... It, it, it gave us Star Wars, which... <laughs> Spawned an enormous amount of ripoffs. Some Japanese, even like what is it, a oh, message from space? Yes, which came out the same year. <laughs> they were going, so they, I think, entirely off the poster of Star Wars. Make uh, something like that. Oh, well, it says on Wikipedia at least that it came out in seventy-eight. Oh, okay. But in April of seventy-eight, so that's still less than a year. Yeah. But I, I still, I think. Well, okay. I mean, by Star that, Wars yeah, may I mean, not have been out in Japan at that point. Oh, that's maybe? right. Not sure. Vic Morrow is in Message from Space? Yes. Wow. Like, he's like an old drunk captain of a spaceship or something? He's like the Alec Guinness of that movie? Yeah. Wow. But the problem is, there's like no Luke Skywalker, there's a bunch of idiots, and there's no Han Solo either. So, and apparently Sonny Chiba is in it? Uh, yes. Oh, fuck. Is he the bad guy? Maybe a bad guy, or is he a guy who changes sides? It's like I remember he's in that movie, but I forget where. Oh, apparently uh, his name is Hans. I, uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what uh, character he might have been based on. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess there's a Han Solo. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, the, the TV series of that is actually better than the movie. The movie's kind of. <laughs> anyway, horror movies. It's Halloween. Have fun. Eat some yes, candy. Uh, Drink a favored beverage. And enjoy both tricks and treats. Watch House. And I guess, uh, why don't we also, uh, what other horror movies are we watching for uh, for this month? Oh, well, um, I have an unwatched uh, DVD of Kuro Neko that I need to get around to. I don't know what that is. What is that? Um, I think it, it's like... It involves cats, I guess? Kind of cats. I think it's like 
two women who may be ghosts preying upon shitty samurai. Okay, so it's uh, sort of like that movie Sleepwalkers, but probably with less incest. Well, I, I don't think they're actual cats. I think that's just symbolism. Oh, okay. Like, like they don't turn oh, into cats. I think I have heard of that. Now that you mentioned, okay, it. it's a classic, which is why I got. It. Also, I have Kwai Don, which is like three or four short horror movies, also from Japan, that I have seen before. I think the same year I saw House. Ooh. But I, I just recently got that Blu-ray, so I can watch it again. So, yes, I, I'm watching way too many Japanese movies. Uh, right, and then. maybe I'll eventually get around to buying with uh, Halloween 3, the Halloween 3, the good one. Uh, the Season of the Witch? Yes. Uh, I guess I've been watching too many Canadian horror movies. Oh, so you've seen, um, oh, uh, Bloody Valentine? I did, yes. I've, I'm sort of... Like going through some early slashers, and for whatever reason, a ton of early slasher movies were Canadian. Wait, they were actually Canadian? I thought Bloody Valentine was like one of the few that was like filmed in Canada, set in Canada. And some often they're not; they don't say it's Canada, but it's obviously Canada. Yeah, well, well, Bloody Valentine is definitely Canada. That's a little Canadian mind I mean, down. I mean, there's nowhere else in the world except for Nova Scotia that anybody's drinking that much Moosehead beer. <laughs> Yes. If you'd said just uh, but there's regular. also I mean Black Christmas is sort of the proto type for the slasher movie that followed that that's filmed in Toronto. Oh, okay. Um Prom Night, Canadian, oh. also Toronto. Oh. And uh Terror Train. Terror Canadian. Terror Train. And uh, of course two of those with uh Jamie Lee Curtis. What the hell is Terror Train? Oh, it, I'd recommend Terror Train. It's super weird. It's I mean it's it's a slasher movie on like a train full like college students who are having a costume party. What? Okay, that sounds amazing. Okay, so it features uh, it features Jamie Lee Curtis, it features Hart Bachner, who you probably remember as Ellis from Die Hard. Okay. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. David Copperfield. What? And yes, David Copperfield. Okay. As the magician. Sure. And the killer spends the entire movie wearing a Groucho Marx costume. <laughs> Odd. Oh, murder on a train. That actually sounds good. So it, it, it's worth a watch. It's, it's weird and enjoyable. Oh, okay. I'd say of all of them, it's that. And I think, uh, My Bloody Valentine is pretty good. Hmm. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just the, the sort of end. It features the only intelligent authority figures in any slasher movie. It, wait, Bloody Valentine? Yes. Doesn't, doesn't like the main sheriff like try to downplay the murders at the beginning? Ah, see, he downplays the murders, but the, the murders, you know, so the killer is trying to cancel this, this Valentine's Day dance that they have every year. Hmm. And so, you know, he leaves the messages. One, you know, this old lady who owns a laundromat gets killed and there's a note, you know, cancel the dance or else. And so they say, well, she had a heart attack, but you know, because of that, we're canceling the dance. Oh, okay. I forgot about that part. But then a bunch of stupid teenagers, or I guess Go young adults, because the they're, mine, they're minors. Yeah, they, they, they have their party at the mine. Yeah, where the minor killer hangs out. <laughs> yes, it may not surprise you to find out that they are all then killed by well, no doubt. Uh, a mining-themed serial killer. Who And it is, it is there is a surprise identity reveal, much like in Prom Night. Yeah, kind of whatever. Oh, oh, that's the thing. House. The body count in House. Mm. Nine! We get nine dead people. 
that is that is a high body count yeah, for that, that's higher than most slasher movies well, at least of the vi- I mean that's getting into like mid 80s Friday the 13th you'll get 9 in there I'm pretty sure like like uh, I think Roy kills like 15 people in <laughs> uh Friday the 13th 5 but okay. like in Halloween you've got oh, three, like four? 3 I think yeah there's not that many no, and then in... I think they're more in Halloween 2. Hmm. Granted, but, with House, there is no final girl. There's no final anyone. No, there's no final anything. Well, there, there's just the house. Uh, as, as David said previously, the house always wins. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the episode. We'll be back uh, next week with uh, with some more Transformers-based contact and not more weird, spooky stuff, because it'll probably be November by or then. Or it's Gridman time, I forget. Or it may also be Gridman. We will see where the ships fall in this one. We're recording this one ahead of time, just to come yes. out on Halloween. Yeah, it is the unspooky date of October the 11th. <laughs> it is literally Canadian Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving! But uh, don't worry, I, I I had it a couple of days ago, so I have already digested more turkey than I care to think about. Oh, oh I haven't had... Ooh, I should get turkey. I, I've had cold-cut turkey, but I haven't had turkey turkey in a while. It's about due. Oh, good turkey. Anyway, yeah, we're done. All right, good night. Good night. The pleasant screams! <laughs> I'm